Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions. Police found 27 corpses. Australia's worst serial killer. You know, I didn't want to get in the car. I With Amanda Howard and Robert McKnight. Hello there and welcome to Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight on Twitter. And of course, I am joined by the serial killer whisperer, best-selling true crime author and criminologist Amanda Howard, who you can find at Amanda Howard 73 Hello, Amanda. Hi, Robert. How are you going this week? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, A lot of people were concerned about you last week, getting fatigued, but they understood why. But here we are, the final part of Chris Watts. Yeah, not fatigued, just fatigued on Chris Watts because (laughs) I'm glad that we're at the end of it. It has been an absolutely enriching um, sort of teaching moment for me but I think it it just shows that sometimes there can be too much but I think that what we're bringing comes from a very different angle and so I think it's definitely worth it and I think it adds to that whole cacophony of of stuff that we have on this case. Oh I've loved this series it's been one of my favourites and just a little note for people next week uh, we are taking a break from the normal podcast feed we will be doing a special series on John JonBenet Ramsey, but that will be only for Patreon people and you screen subscribers. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later, but we will be missing in action on the free podcast feed for, I guess it'll be about eight to 10 weeks, I suppose. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> that seems a long time, but then again, we're not stopping. So. No, we're not stopping. We're keeping on going. But I'll explain why we're doing all that because it's not the traditional podcast. All right. Now, Amanda, for this final episode in the series, we are taking a different road. We know that there are plenty of media recordings around the theories and telephone calls from Watts, but this week we're looking at him from a very different perspective. Going through his sentencing court hearing, we will hear from the families of the victims as well as the family of Watts. We will get to see how he reacts to the words of loss spoken by those destroyed by his senseless crime. This is something we haven't done before on this podcast slash videocast, Amanda. Um, yes, that's absolutely right, Robert. So it just sort of adds that extra um, pieces to to this puzzle, and it is something that we've never ever done before. We sometimes have had sort of um, bits and pieces of of the victims of crime and their family talk, but this is actually just we're going to focus on them as much as we can. We're not profiling them, but we're going to go through what cross uh, what Watts goes through, um, mm. whilst we actually uh, look at what the family's saying. Yes, we don't we don't profile victims or uh, their families. No. That's not what this is about. We profile the killers. Uh, okay, so let's begin. The court has been seated. Frank Rusick, Shanann's father, is the first who's been called upon to speak. Well, I'd like to say to the court that Shannon, Bella, and Nico love and caring people. They love life. They love being around people who love them. They also, they always had good times. This is the first time they went to the beach this year and they loved it. But God only knows what happened that night. Life will never be the same without Shannon, Bella, and Celeste and Nico. Had all their lives to live. They were taken by a heartless one. This is the heartless one, the evil monster, who dare you take the lives of my daughter Shannon, Bella, Celeste, and Nico. I trusted you to take care of them, not kill them. And they also trusted you. The heartless monster 
and then you take them out like trash. You disgust me. They were loving and caring people. You may have taken their bodies from me, but you will never take the love they had for me. They loved us more than you will ever know because you know what love, you don't know what love is because if you did, you would not have killed them. You monster, thought you would get away with this. I don't know how, the cameras do not lie. You carry them out like trash of the house. Yes, I seen the videotape. You buried my, my daughter Shannon and, and Nico in a shallow grave. And then you put Bella and Celeste in huge containers of crude oil. You heartless monster. You have, you have to live with this vision every day of your life. And I hope you see that every time you close your eyes at night. Oh, I forgot. You have no heart or feelings or love. Let me tell you something. I will think of them every day of my life. And I love them every day of my life. Prison is too good for you. This, this is hard to say, but may God have mercy on your soul. I hope you enjoy your new life. It's nothing like the one you had out here. May the courts have no mercy on you. It's hard every day. It hurts in so many ways. I have heard people say that you're not a monster. No, you are not. You're an evil monster. Thank you. Love you, Shannon, Bella, and Nico. Love you, Pop Up and Dad. And one other thing. And Shannon says she is super excited for justice today. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, sir. Wow. Um, pretty powerful words there from someone who's obviously broken. I I can only imagine it would have been truly horrifying to have to express those emotions and feelings, even when he's obviously reading. We can see that. Um, because, as he's saying, the man who should have loved and protected him, protected Frank's daughter and grandchildren, was the, the guy sitting behind him, the man behind those murders. Uh, these victim statements are extremely important in allowing those left behind to speak their truth, isn't it? Because we've seen many like this. But it's interesting being able to see what's his face. Uh, sitting behind him a whole lot more, isn't it? It is. And um, the fact that we have this two shot and the cameraman who is filming mm. this is going to do a brilliant job for us and do a couple of close-ups on what's throughout this. So it's it's, it's certainly worth something to, to see on the screen. But um, what we have here is um, such raw emotions. And, like, this is someone that he knows. It's not like, um, you know, the killer had killed some stranger and this is the mm. family talking. This is his, his father-in-law. So there's that extra... Um, intimacy to to this case which makes it even harder because let's face it there was a day that um on on their wedding day that um Shanann's father handed her over to to her her husband in that sort of archaic set um ritual that that we seem to still do these days and so there is that as well that um he had trusted him to take care of his children and what we're seeing is just someone who is absolutely trying to not even be in this same room what's knows what's coming he's focused on what Watts has to deal with not what anyone else is saying i bet i bet he didn't even hear a word of what he just said i bet that he's too busy thinking what's going to happen at the end what's going to happen in the end we see that he's um sucking in his lips that we saw very early on on those first couple of days where he was still being in interrogated and was seen as as a victim he was sucking in his lips then but his shoulders this time too are really really tight and hunched so he's actually pulled himself in even further so this is him just trying to focus on what he needs to do and and because he is a narcissist that's all he's going to hear he's not going to hear these people up and down he's, he's going to hear those key words like monster shenan the girls nico but he's not going to hear most of what's being said it's going to be total white noise to him um uh, we've got footage of what's his face in a moment but i just want to go back a sec we say shenan but her father was calling her Shannon. I know. I, I picked that up in, in the recording too and I thought that's that's going to be right. Everyone yelled at us for not saying Shannon. Yeah. And we've been saying Shannon. Then her own dad says Shannon. I thought, I don't know. We we get complaints about how we um, pronounce things. We went with what um, what 
Chris Watts had said, actually. So yeah. that could be a whole part of all, all of this, that they tried to project this better life than they had. And so she wasn't boring old Shannon. She was Shannon. So ah. I, that sort of spoke a, 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 f- a few different thoughts to me. But, um, yes, it, I'm glad you picked that up, Robert. Well spotted. Well, just we did have a big discussion about the pronunciation of her name based on feedback we got from listeners and viewers. So, yeah, it was a whole thing. Look, as her father leaves the stand, the cameras take a close-up look of Watts' face. That's what I just mentioned a moment ago. I, I want to play this. Let's have a look. Then I have just one more Sure. What are we seeing there, man? Because he looks like... He's in a world of his own, playing with his mouth, sucking in his lips and pursing them out again. What are you seeing? Well, what I'm seeing there is someone who has no idea that anything is going on around him except that he's he's the central focus of this. He doesn't know that the camera is is doing this massive close-up on him. But, yeah, he's, he's in a different world. He's thinking about his stuff. He's not thinking about what's happened before. He's not thinking about that they want um, the, the full truth of what happened. He is just thinking, okay, let's just get to the sentencing. All this is a waste of my time. I've better things to do and better places to go. Um, of course, he doesn't. But, you know, it's just it's amazing. Amazing that at this point he is still pretty blasé to everything that's going on around him. Though he is that there is some tension, as I said, his shoulders keep keep scrunching up, and that mouth thing we know is something that he does when he's uncomfortable. Mm. Well, next we have Frank Rusick Jr., Shanann's brother. His statement is read by the prosecution's lawyer. Your Honor, the past three months I barely slept because I've been going through a lot of different emotions because I did not see this coming. You went from being my brother, my sister's protector, one of the most loved people in my family to someone I will spend the rest of my life trying to understand. What gave you the right to put your hands on a woman, let alone my best friend, my beloved sister, your daughters and your son? Why weren't they enough for you? In the blink of an eye, you took away my whole world, the people that mattered to me the most. Everything in my life I loved, your children. They trusted you. They loved you. They looked up to you because you promised to keep them safe. Instead, you turned on your family. My blood is boiling as I write these last words because they are the last you will ever hear from me. I can't even think of the right words to describe the betrayal and the hate I feel. And to be honest, you aren't even worth the time and effort it takes to put my pen to this paper. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't cry for my family. They were my whole world. All I do is ask myself why. Why would you do this? You don't deserve to be called a man. What kind of person slaughters the people that love them the most? Did you really think you would get away with this? Did you really think that this was your best option, to throw away your family like they were garbage? They deserve better and you know it. I hope you spend the rest of your life staring at the ceiling every night, being haunted by what you've done. None of us deserve this. Hearing my mother and father cry themselves to sleep in this hotel room causes me anguish that is beyond words. I can't describe how this feels, how badly my heart is breaking for my poor parents. We trusted you. You have taken away my family from this earth, but you can never take them from my heart. You took away my privilege of being an uncle to the most precious little girls I've ever known. I will never hear the words Uncle Frankie again, but you will never be called Dad again either. You'll never be able to put your hands on another woman, let alone my best friend, my beloved sister, and your son. I just can't comprehend how they weren't enough for you. Shanann, Bella, and Cece loved you more than anyone. You were their hero. How could you destroy the people who loved them the most? I pray that you never have a moment's peace or a good night's rest in the cage you'll spend every day of your life in. A cage you are privileged to live in because my family isn't evil like you. We beg the district attorney to spare your life despite, because despite everything, we believe that no one has the right to take the life of another, even, so, even someone like you. I feel sorry for your family. I know the pain that they must feel knowing that they can't hug you because that's how my mother, father, and I feel every time we cry for our family. Nothing hurts more than watching or hearing my family weep for their loved ones. I just wish that I could tell the that you would tell the truth, but I know that that is asking for more than you are capable of. I stayed up all night writing this statement. I don't sleep because of you. My life will never be the same because of you, but at least my conscience is clear. I get to live free, but I can't say the same for you. I haven't slept in two days because I've been anxiously waiting for this moment, the moment I get to tell you how I feel, how this has affected my family and I. My family and I can finally grieve after today. 
If anything, we will come out of this stronger today than we were before, and we will continue to pray for your family. Sincerely, Frankie Rusick. Jeez, it's tough um, watching these and hearing these, Amanda, and it's you can understand why he couldn't read it himself. Yep. Um, I, I think what we have here is how we see this side of, of the story. I mean, he's such a young kid. You see him grit his jaw several times and you mm. know that that's pain. It's not anger. It's not stress. It's the pain that he's feeling. And for him to talk about um, listening to his parents cry in in the next room, it's just that's the moment that broke me. That's where this episode stops. That's, I couldn't. I I'm sorry, um, I couldn't go past that because I just, that, that little kid, you know, uh, and his big sister, yeah. um, and him saying that he's never going to get called Uncle Frankie, it just, it's, it's all those losses that everyone will continue to feel for the rest of their lives. This doesn't stop because he's going to jail, you know, and the fact that um, they were good people to say no, no death penalty, I mean, we, we hear that time and again, and really I think they still want it sometimes, but they know that taking a life themselves is, is, isn't is going to fix this. It's not going to bring them back. It's not going to change their pain. And so they would rather know that he is somewhere in jail and that he has to think about this for the rest of his life. That was the most heartbreaking moment that he is saying, I hope that you do that for the rest of your life. And Watts does. I know that he has a cult celebrity as well, but I also know that he – caused this and he didn't have to cause this he could have just mm. divorced her and walked away or done something you know you don't have to kill your wife who's pregnant and your two little toddlers because you want to go and put it in something else yeah a really interesting part of this for me was early on in that was when frankie jr actually turned to watts for those watching the video, have a look at this moment when he actually turns and looks to see if Watts is paying attention. He wants Watts to hear these words, doesn't he, Amanda? He does. He, he's, he's sitting there, well, standing there. He's knowing that these are the words that he is supposed to hear, and that's why he turned around. Because, as I said, Watts is in a different world. He's not mm. listening to this. But uh, Frankie wanted to turn around and see if he was in that room, just, just to see it. That could have been the moment he could have walked up to that table and started screaming at him or anything. But he just took that little glance just to say, this is what I'm saying to you, buddy. You know, yeah. it's just amazing. Yeah. Well, next to take the stand is Shanann's mother, Sandy. Good morning, Your Honor. Thank you for this moment. I can just have you just identify yourself for the record. My name is Sandra Rusak, Shannon's mother. Thank you. I wanted to say thank you for this moment. I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has prayed for our beloved family, who had sent gifts, cards to us from all over the world. I know God will put the evil people where they need to be. I also want to take the time to thank the town of Frederick, um, Greeley, uh, FBI, the DA's office, the CBI, for exceptional work. We thank Nicole um, Atkinson, um, Shannon's neighbor, Nathan, and his family. Um, to me, they're our heroes. They really, they really are. God bless. Okay, Amanda, you asked us to stop it there. Now, as we've said all along, Nicole, Shanann's friend and the neighbour, Nathan, who they live next door to the watch, you'll remember, they were the ones who were able to provide security camera footage and really are the heroes in this investigation. It was Nicole who called the police straight away saying she's missing. She had what's on the hop from the get-go. This could have gone on for years had they not been able to provide the information so quickly. Absolutely. As as we said, this case was solved before it had even begun. No one knew that Shannon and the family had disappeared yet, mm. but, but Nicole knew something was wrong. Nathan next door said, yep, I've got footage of this, come and see. Because he would have seen her turn up, would have seen the police car turn up, and he would have put two and two together because he would have had that ping at 2 a.m. to say, hang on a sec, something else is going on, and then and then the 5 a.m. ping, which shouldn't have happened at at. at at the neighbor's house. So, um, yes, they are the heroes in this. They had solved this crime before the police even turned up. And I'm so glad that Shannon's family has actually stepped up and, and thanked them. I think that without them, as I said, as you said, um, this could have gone on for years and years and years mm. otherwise. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a listen as Sandy continues with her statement. Um, God makes no mistakes on who he puts in your life. Marriage is about love, trust, and friendship and unity. We marry for sickness and health to death do us part. Our daughter Shannon loved you with all of her heart. Your children loved you to the moon and back. Shannon's family was her world. Shannon put a crown on your head. But unfortunately, the day that you took their life, God removed that crown. We loved you like a son. We trusted you. Your faithful wife trusted you. Your children adored you. And they also trusted you. Your daughter, Bella Marie, sang a song proudly. And I don't know if you got to see it, but it was, Daddy, you're my hero. I have no idea who gave you the right to take their lives. But I know God and his mighty angels were there at that moment to bring them home to paradise. God gives us free will. So not only did you take the family for your family of four, you took your own life. I want the world to know that our daughter and her children were so loved by us. They will always be protected by God and his mighty angels. I didn't want death for you because that's not my right. Your life is between you and God now, and I pray that he has mercy for you. From Shannon's mother, Bella Marie, Celeste Catherine, and Nico Lees, Nana. Thank you, Your Honor. Oh, she's so stoic. Um, you know, it's interesting, the first part of that, where she feels that she has to thank people. No one would have even thought to think she has to thank anyone, but she does so anyway. And... I have to ask this, why do families like this one, uh, they've sort of alluded to it and said it, but it's it's such an interesting thing that they're not wanting an eye for an eye. They don't want the death penalty. Yeah, what it comes down to is that they don't want blood on their hands. Someone has already been killed. In this case, four people have, have been killed. That they wouldn't have done that anyway, so they don't expect to be required to say, yes, kill him as well. It's just a, a archaic thing that um, some people still believe that this is revenge and that's how you will get closure. But families know that that's not going to stop anything. As Frankie was saying, I'm not going to get caught Uncle Frankie and I'm not going to see my, mm. my nieces. I'm not going to get to see it to my nephew. Killing what isn't going to change any of that. And it's often their faith that actually allows them to, to take that step back, that they don't have that hatred. They think he's a monster. They think what he did was evil, but they don't hate him because that gives him extra power that they don't believe that he has. For them to speak up about Shanann and, and the girls and, and her unborn son in front of him and actually address these to them and, like, you know, they responded as, you know, like she, she said, you know, love nana i think it was you know it's just it's things like that 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 just shows that their their loss is with their family and now what's is out of that family and they don't believe that they should take that opportunity to to say he should die now the the, the prosecution can all, always just go yeah i don't care what you think this is an evil bastard we're, we're going to fry him but by them stating it in their victim impact statements to the court it shows that it's actually now on record that they don't want that to happen so if it does go ahead which it, it, it won't and, and usually doesn't it just allows them to say well that's not what mm. we wanted so because because it has there has been times that that, that the prosecution's gone yeah no nah, he's going you know but we're going to fry him right um before we move on to Watts, because there's some interesting footage coming up at he, of his face again, I want to go back and explain to everyone what we're doing with the upcoming series. So we do a bonus videos uh, where we go through cases and try to determine who the killer was. These are unsolved cases. And this is what we're doing for the next few weeks with our Patreon and New Screen subscribers. We're going to have a series on John JonBenet Ramsey where Judge Rob will come out of retirement. He will have the gavel and the cloak <laughs> and he will give a verdict on who he thinks 
is the killer based on the evidence presented to him. All verdicts when it comes to Judge Rob are final and I assume, I can only assume once Judge Rob has made his decision, the police will go and arrest someone. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what that means for you is that for the next eight to ten weeks, Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions will not be on your Apple Podcasts and your Spotify and all that kind of stuff. The only way you can access these episodes is to subscribe to the videocast through Uscreen at mwm.uscreen.io where you can subscribe for $15 a month and get access to all of our videos or you can buy individual episodes for $5 each. The other way of doing it is through Patreon. Those on the $10 plus tier will actually have access to this bonus material. Everyone on $10 gets bonus material. This falls under that category. But you will get the audio version if you're on the $10 or $20 tier. If you're on the $25 or the $50 tier, you will get access to the video version of Judge Rob and the case of John Bonet Ramsey. There's a whole range of tiers for you to suit any budget, and it really does help support the podcast and helps keep Amanda and I doing what we do. So if you'd like to jump on the Patreon bandwagon, just go to patreon.com slash MWM confessions. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, I want to play this next bit, and there's a bit of silence on it, but you'll hear the prosecution stating some things to the court, but the camera focuses in on Watts, and that's what we want to have a look at here while he's at the defence table. Take a look at this. Your Honor, that's all the witnesses that I had intended on calling. I know that the court addressed this during the procedural um, posture. I am aware that Mr. and Mrs. Watts would also like to address the court. I would certainly invite the court, if you want, at this point to um, call upon them, or we can certainly do it after um, any uh, evidence that the defense has as well. Sure. Does Cindy or Ronnie Watts wish to make a statement under the Victim's Rights Amendment? Wow, that's interesting. So as Sandy, Shanann's mum, is leaving the stand, Watts doesn't look up, but he's visibly shaken. We can see his lawyer talking to him and he's shaking his head. The camera then pans down to his leg and it's moving constantly. I'm a bit like that. I, got, I get the jitters and my leg's going <laughs> yeah. at a million miles an hour. But he, this, he now seems broken. I do think he's taking this in. He's taking some of it in, but it's more so about that he's getting closer to the moment that his life is about to change forever again. Um, but, yeah, right. there, there is a cry there. He's trying to stifle it. So um, he is pulling in his lips. He's sort of breathing in heavily, and it's all these sorts of things that we see that are him trying to stifle the cry that didn't come for, for the last six weeks. So it's amazing that it's taken this to get to him, him to that point. But the leg shaking, yes, that's absolute pain. That that is someone who is just absolutely torn and destroyed and he is nervous and he's terrified of what's to come. That's his fight or, or, or flight. His body mm -hmm. is now in absolute chaos and it has all this energy that it doesn't know where to put it because he wants to cry but he wants to run, he wants to do this, he wants to do that. He doesn't want to listen to it. He doesn't want to see what's going on. His head's down but the rest of his, his body is moving quite rapidly and that is him just trying to escape the pain that he's, he's currently going through yeah well this is a moment watts's parents take the stand let's have a look and listen to this i'm cindy watts ron watts thank you and i have authorized you to make a statement to the court as paternal grandparents uh of the children uh, and if you choose not to make a statement, but your designee, Ms. Powers, chooses to, she can do so as well. How would you like to proceed can today? I read that? Um, yeah, do you want me to start? Um, 
Who's going to be speaking today? Your Honor, initially, um, they've asked me, and they're hoping that they have the strength to speak. But if they do not, they've written out their statements and asked me to finish for them. So that would be, that would be fine. Who would like to go first? If I could start, Your Honor. On behalf of the Watts, Your Honor, and to the community, we thank you for the opportunity and the recognition under the Victim Bill of Rights. We come today as the grandparents and the parent of the daughter and children whose life was taken in this case. We are not here to ask for leniency. We are not in any way condoning or tolerating the, the crime that has occurred and the pain that has been caused. We join in our daughter-in-law and grandchildren's family in saying this should never have happened. This is not condonable. This is something that we will never get over. We appreciate the consideration that everyone has paid, most especially the families that have lost everyone. We appreciate that they begged for Christopher's life. We agree and echo what they have said, that it is not his place to take anyone's life, nor would it be our place as a community to take his life. So we thank you for the opportunity and for every consideration and effort that's been put out. The prosecution in this case has in fact respected the Victim Bill of Rights. They took the time to explain that the information that my clients had at the time that they were interviewed was not correct. They were misinformed. They were searching for answers. They were not intending to cause any pain to anyone. And they appreciate that the prosecution answered their questions and gave them the time and the respect and the consideration so that they could tell this court and everyone in this community that the interview content was not their message, that they accept that their son has done this, that they accept that he chose to plead guilty, that he sought and requested their consent and agreement for a life sentence. They appreciate that he is given the opportunity to serve that life sentence. It is his responsibility, it is his sentence, and it is not enough to make up for what has done. We understand and we join the family in that we have questions. We don't know how such a thing could possibly happen or that a man that was responsible for raising his children and protecting his wife would take the steps that he did and that he would disregard their bodies and the love that he had for them and they had for him and everyone else and take the gestures and put this community through the investigation and the discovery and the responsibility of bringing justice. We do not understand that. We do not think it was appropriate. We cannot begin to think that an explanation will ever justify it. My clients indicate that they understand that a full opportunity for a confession with all of the responsibility and accountability has not occurred. And they support the family and the request that that happen, if not today, at an appropriate time, in an appropriate manner, so that everyone can have peace to understand to the best of their ability the details that they need and to have their questions answered. And by giving this opportunity of a life sentence, we hope that he embraces that moment. That had the death penalty been pursued, there would not have been an opportunity to be accountable and to give a full confession. And had the death penalty been sought, counsel would have fought for his life, the prosecutors would have been engaged in a multiple year battle, the families would have been torn apart, this community would have had to subsidize it and endure it, and we have so much respect and gratefulness that that did not happen. We would strongly encourage Christopher Watts to give that full confession in the tone and in the timing that he thinks is appropriate with the guidance of his counsel. We feel that it would be appropriate and helpful to ease the pain and the suffering, but we also say we don't think that there's anything that he can say that will ever account for his behavior. There's nothing that can be done to cure the harm he has caused. And he has the responsibility to serve his sentence with dignity 
and with regard for everyone and to spend every breath that he has left in an atonement for what he has done. So if I could just have you state your name for the record. Cindy Watts. Thank you. My name is Cindy Watts. I am the grandmother of two beautiful granddaughters, Bella Marie, Celeste Catherine Watts. I am also the mother of Christopher Watts, who I will be directing most of my statement to. First, I'd like to begin by recognizing the absolute horror of this crime and acknowledging the devastating loss that both the Rusek family as well as our family have faced. Our families have been irreparably broken by the needless deaths of Shanann, Bella, Cece, and Nico. This is something we will never get over. We will always mourn the loss of our family, and in that, we are united in our grief. I am still struggling to understand how and why this tragedy occurred. I may never be able to understand and accept it, but I pray for peace and healing for all of us. Now to my son Christopher, I have known you since the day you were born into this world. I have watched you grow from a quiet and sweet, curious child who Bella reminded me so much of to a young man who worked hard in sports and later mechanics to achieve your goals. You are a good friend, brother, father, and son. You have, we have loved you from the beginning and we still love you now. This might be hard for some to understand how I can sit here under these circumstances and tell you although we are heartbroken, although we can't imagine what could have led us to this day, but we love you. Maybe you can't believe it either. As the Lord said in Jeremiah 3.31, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you and you as your mother, Chris, I have always loved you, and I still do. I hate what has happened. Your father and sister and I are struggling to understand why. But we will remain faithful as your family, just as God remains faithful because of his unconditional love for all, for us all. We love you, and we forgive you, son. Thank you. Judge, if I could read Mr. Watts' statement. Yes. My name is Ronnie Watts, and I am the grandfather of Bella, Celeste, Nico Watts, and I am the father of Shannon. I am the father of Christopher Watts as well. And one of the most important things I've done in my life is to raise my children and to watch as they started their own families. I spent many years coaching Little League, and talking to my son, taking him to the races, and sharing my love and knowledge of cars with him. He was just as involved with his girls. I believe he loves his girls. I know he does. This tragedy has impacted my family in so many ways. Beyond losing my precious grandchildren, our beloved daughter-in-law, we are forced to question everything. We still don't have all the answers, and I hope one day, Christopher, you can help us. Chris, I want to talk to you as a father and son. You are here today accepting responsibility, but I want to tell you this now. I love you. Nothing will ever change that, and I want you to find peace and today is your first step. The Bible says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us. Chris, I forgive you and your sister forgives you and we will never abandon you and we love you. Dad. Um... I have a lot of feelings about that. I think it's a very difficult situation for a parent 
finding out their their son is a killer. Uh, they they acknowledge the bad side of it. I don't know that they have the right to forgive their son. I totally agree with you there. Now, we have met the dad before because he was in the interrogation for yeah. some part and he was devastated. Here he is still a broken man and I won't profile them, I promise, but I, I just need to sort of say that they have um, a different perspective on this and they've used very different buzzwords that have been almost offensive. Um, if I was Shanann's family, I would have been ropeable. I probably would have run across the room and thumped them, but people know what I'm like and I'm very passionate about things and this is one of those things. Um, but, yeah, what what we have is um, they, they, they're they almost negating what he's, he's done because they didn't refer to it as killings or anything like that. It's, it's all about, you know, the incident, you know, the tragedy. It was not about you brutally slayed your family and, you know, rot in hell, which but is, is that you know, what we want them method. to say. Of course we can't. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, th- I think that's what we're seeing. And um, the fact that they then also um, raised uh, things from the Bible as well, you know, it, it shows that they do have faith. Now, I've had to write a victim Im- impact statement before from the other side, from for, from the defence team, and you are told certain things that you have to say, and that included talking about that um, he did confess, that he did um, do this to stop the case going on for long and long, but they sort of almost teased that out to say, you know, we could have told him not to say anything, and then he could have, you know, dragged this out for years and years and years, mm. you know, but um, it's... It's it's short justice. It's it's not enough for um, her, her family to live with, and you know I know it's hard. Absolutely, it's hard. But I think um, that, that there was things that they did, as as I said, that they mentioned in an interview they did where they actually went with their son's story, which is no fault of their own. But um, I think that they were too quick to um, to understand and to accept that as his um, story. So I, I think there's a lot more that was going on that has sort of not been addressed as such, but things that they put in there that really shouldn't have been put in there. So um, that there's, oh, it's, I'm trying to not say things about them, I but know. I think I that know. they were in a very, very difficult place and I think they've probably done the best what they could have done, but I just, I don't know, it's that there was just a couple of wounds in there that I think were unnecessary or went the wrong yeah. way. Like you said, should they forgive him? No. Yeah. Look, look, I, I agree with you. Um, what was interesting in that clip, and it was a 10-minute clip, was the fact that the biggest reaction that I've seen of Watts in all of these clips that we've watched today was when his father's statement was being read out. We, uh, it's funny, um, Amanda, my wife, the other Amanda in my life, uh, who switches <laughs> this show, were, and I said, was that a tear? Was that actually a tear? We were actually having that discussion while that was going on. And it's interesting, you've put another clip in here um, of what's his face as the court continues with some of the procedural doings. And Amanda, I think we're about to prove what Amanda and I were just talking about because this, this is the moment you've been waiting for, the tears. So for people on the video podcast, this is the moment. This is a moment. It's taken eight episodes to get here. Let's take a look. Mr. Walker, is there any statements you would like to make on behalf of the prosecution? Yes, please. A real moment where we see how he really reacts when he's got tears. It's not holding the tissue to the eyes. What does he do? He wipes it with his uh, with his shoulder. It's everything you say about the tears, Amanda. Everything you say. <laughs> Yeah, when we're crying and we're upset, we don't do anything to make ourselves look better. We just go with it because the the pain is far more important than the tears. And so when it's a natural tear, I don't care, you sniff it, you wipe it, you know, sort of that sort of stuff. So as we saw in the last seven episodes, you know, when he was told he he, he wasn't being very um, emotional and so then he, he decided to try to put on the tears 
it didn't work. They mm. they asked for the tissue, that dry tissue theory that we have. That they, they rub their eyes. They they do all of that. But when you're actually naturally crying, he let that tear run all the way down his face. It was a beautiful moment. It was that's what they would do in Hollywood. That would be what that they would use, but not for this sort of case. But you know, mm. but he let that tear fall all the way and only wiped it away when his his attention was dragged elsewhere. So yeah, this is the moment. This is why we need to see those other flags to see when those true emotions do come up this is what they look like so yeah the rubbing the the, the face on on the shoulder the the sniffing in of of his runny nose that's all things that you do when you're actually naturally crying because you don't care being a blubbering mess yeah and isn't it interesting it's the idea that he's lost the respect of his dad or let his dad down that is yeah. out of all of this the moment that brings him to actual tears it is. It's and because his dad has been on this journey, as as the detective said during the uh, interrogations, his dad sat outside that room day after day after mm. day and was there to help, was there to support. He was allowed to be the person that went in. He was the person that he he yep. did a bigger confession to, though it, it was still a lie. So now, you know, you know when your parents say, "I'm not angry. I'm disappointed." This is that moment for him. This, yeah, this is where his parents have to say, yeah, you're stuffed up. Yeah, <laughs> put it mildly. All right, next the prosecution yeah. takes the stand to describe the events of those early morning hours. And, look, I do need to warn listeners and viewers, this guy does not hold back on the graphic details about their deaths. Shortly thereafter, at least according to the defendant, they had a what he referred to as an emotional conversation about the state of their marriage and about what their lives would look like going forward. What was said during that emotional conversation, only he knows. What we do know is that shortly after that, the defendant strangled her to death with his own hands. We know that he slowly took her life the morning of August 13th. We know that this was not done in an uncontrolled, vengeful manner that he tried to describe to agents from CBI and the FBI. If that were the case, you would expect to see vicious, horrible bruising about her neck, shoulders, and face. You would expect to see the hyoid bone in her neck broken. You would expect to see some kind of defensive wounds on his body as she struggled and fought for her own life. None of those are present. The only injuries that were on Shanann's body were one set of finger uh, or bruising, what appeared to be fingernail or finger mark bruising to the right side of her neck. We know that our experts will tell us that it takes two to four minutes to strangle someone to death manually with their own hands. The horror that she felt is the man that she loved wrapped his hands around her throat and choked the life out of her must have been unimaginable. Even worse, what must Bella, age four, and Celeste, age three, must have experienced or thought is their father, the one man on this planet who was supposed to nurture and protect them, was snuffing out their lives. They both died from smothering. Let me say that again. The man seated to my right smothered his daughters. Why? Imagine the horror in Bella's mind as her father took her last, last breaths away. Your Honor, understand very clearly, Bella fought back for her life. The frenulum, the connective tissue between her upper lip and her gum, had an inch and a half, excuse me, a centimeter and a half laceration. She bit her tongue multiple times before she died. She fought back for her life as her father smothered her. Celeste had no such injuries. In fact, she had no external injuries at all. But according to the medical examiner, she was smothered nonetheless. The defendant then methodically and calmly loaded their bodies into his work truck, not in a hasty, hasty or disorganized way. He was seen from the neighbor's doorbell camera, backing his truck into the driveway, going back and forth into the house 
and back out to the truck three different times, one time for each of their bodies. He then drove them away from their family home one final time, intent on hiding any evidence of the crimes that he had just committed. In one final sign of callousness for his wife, his daughters, and their unborn son, and their remains, he drove them to a location that he thought no one would ever find them, to one of the oil tank batteries with which he was so familiar. He knew this was safe. He had texted a coworker the night before saying, I'll head out to that site. I'll take care of it. He had carefully ensured that he would be alone in the middle of the plains to secrete away the remains of his family in a place that he hoped they would never be found. In one final measure of disrespect for the family he once had, he ensured that they would not be together even in death, or he so he thought. He disposed of them in different locations. He buried Shanann and Nico in a shallow grave away from the oil tanks. Bella and Celeste were thrown away in the oil tanks at this facility. Different tanks so these little girls wouldn't be together in death. Imagine this, Your Honor. This defendant took those little girls and put them through a hatch at the top of an oil tank eight inches in diameter. Bella has scratches on her left buttocks from being shoved through this hole. A tuft of blonde hair was found on the edge of one of these hatches. The defendant told investigators that Bella's tank seemed emptier than CC's because of the sound that the splashes made. These were his daughters. Significantly, when his co-workers arrived at the tank battery later that morning, to a person, they all described him as acting completely normally. It was a normal work day. Even while his daughter sank in the oil and water not far away from him. And then his efforts at deception truly began. We've all seen the emotionless interviews that the defendant gives to the local media asking for help in locating his family. We watched as he claimed that the house was empty without them and that he hoped that they were somewhere safe and that he just wanted them to come home. What a fucking piece of shit. I don't understand how this guy can do that to his daughters. You, you know, we, we cover a lot of stuff on this podcast. And, and I get this idea that killers are mentally unstable and they, um, they kill for whatever drives them, right? You know, so whatever psychological damage they have. But to do this to your own flesh and blood, your daughters, the, the people who have complete trust in you, the people who, first of all, I imagine would think dad's playing a game. Hang on, this is hurting. Dad, this is hurting. Hang on. Whoa. You know, like, and the little girl fighting back. I don't understand... And maybe that's a good thing. I'm not a serial killer and I'm not someone who would kill my family. But I don't understand how it comes to this. The guy wants out of his marriage, get a fucking divorce. Like, seriously. And and then we hear, and, and I didn't know this detail about the 18 Charles. 18 Charles. How do you squeeze a child through something like that. Yeah, it's those eight-inch holes that gets me. You know, during the interrogation, uh, Coda had actually said to Watts, um, they're saying that these holes are too small for the girls to go through. And Watts is saying, no, 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 they were big enough, they were big enough. Even that he was lying about. Even, as you said, they, they had the hairs caught. You know, one of them was was less deep than the other one and that he heard a splash differently. You know, and, and this is stuff that he had actually confessed to them after all of this lie detector test and all of that stuff. And 
as you said, it's just those things that sort of stick with you. And the fact that the prosecution is actually going through these very graphic details, you know, the tuft of blonde hair, it just... It, it, it breaks you. As a mum, I would never do this. As an expert, I know people do this and they do this quite easily. It's just um, something that, like, this is what this podcast is about, that this is what people will do because they think that's what they have to do and it's not and it just proves that they are different to us. We don't want to think that they're anything but monsters, but they just have just this little different part that, that, creates this evilness that we see in cases like this. Mm. Well, after then requesting that the court consider the maximum sentence for each of the counts relating to the deaths, the prosecution rested their case and the defence team spoke on behalf, of, on behalf of Watts. Good morning, Your Honour. Mr Watts has asked us to share this morning that he is devastated by all of this. And although he understands that words are hollow at this point, he is sincerely sorry for all of this. Thank you. That was short and sweet. Well, it was short, but I certainly don't think it was sweet. She's as cold as he is, you know. That, that, that was a bit creepy. But, um, yeah, she was Sorry, was, was that his entire defence? No, that's his victim statement. Oh, so, my apologies. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's just him showing his his official contrition about the case, and and that's all it was. Twelve seconds. Yeah. Okay. The judge then determines what sentence. Mr. Watts, as I indicated when we began, you have the right to make a statement if you choose to. Would you like to make a statement? No, sir. Thank you. So the court has considered the arguments made by the attorneys. The court has considered the statements made by the victims in this case. Uh, the court's going to find that the plea agreement is fair and reasonable under the circumstances. I want to acknowledge the Rusick family as well as the Watts family that um, showing mercy on Mr. Watts is understood uh, and I respect that decision to request that the district attorney not seek the death penalty in this case and so the court is going to accept this plea bargain under the circumstances. Words that come to mind when I hear the evidence in this case are a senseless crime and the viciousness of the crime and equally aggravating in this court's determination is the despicable act of disposing of the bodies in the manner in which they were done in this case. I've been a judicial officer now for starting my 17th year and I um, could objectively say that this is perhaps the most uh, inhumane and vicious crime that I have handled out of the thousands of cases that I have seen. And nothing less than a maximum sentence um, would be appropriate and anything less than the maximum sentence would depreciate the seriousness of this offense. So the court is going to sentence Mr. Watts as follows. With regard to count number one, murder in the first degree as it relates to Shanann Watts, the court is going to sentence you, sir, to uh, a life sentence in the Colorado Department of Corrections, followed um, excuse me, with no possibility of parole. And that is going to run consecutively to all but counts three and four. With regard to count two, as it relates to murder in the first degree, with Bella, the court is going to sentence you to life in the Colorado Department of Corrections with no possibility of parole. With regard to count number three, the court is going to sentence you as it relates to Celeste, 
to life in the Colorado Department of Corrections with no possibility of parole. With regard to counts four and five relating to Bella and Celeste as a different theory of first degree murder, the court is gonna sentence you to life in the Colorado Department of Corrections and legally those sentences must run concurrently as a different theory of first degree murder. Recognizing um, the unlawful termination of pregnancy for the unborn child that has been named Nico, the court absolutely believes that the maximum sentence of 48 years would be appropriate to run consecutive to the other charges with an additional mandatory parole period of three years as set forth by statute. With regard to count number seven, as it relates to tampering with a deceased body, as well as counts eight and nine, each a class three felony, the court is going to impose a maximum sentence of 12 years each for those counts to run consecutively to the other counts. Okay, let's look at what the judge said about the murders. He called them a senseless crime. He pointed out the viciousness, equally aggravating, despicable act of disposing of the bodies, the most inhumane and vicious crime I have ever handled. This shows the true magnitude of Watts' acts against the family, doesn't it, Amanda? It's horrific. It does. You know, what we have is a case that we see as, oh, he killed his his wife and children, but it's those extra pieces, especially what, what the prosecution just said, that shows us how absolutely savage this was. The squishing of, of, of the girls in, into that tank, I think, will stay with all of us for a very, very long time. But the most amazing part in this is watching uh, Watts and on that cameraman, oh, my God, he is also a hero of mine now. The ABC way that he Denver actually 7. focused in... <laughs> Yes, thank you, guys. Um, the way that he sort of uh, honed in on his leg and then his foot to show mm. how much Watts was shaking, but Watts's face was like stone. It was completely um, absent of any sort of emotion. No doubt he was biting his in, in a cheek or his tongue or something to keep him from uh, bursting out in, in tears because he knows this is the moment. I have watched probably four, five, six hundred um, reactions of people being sentenced and this is a very hard one to do for him to not have any emotion there. Of course, he's, he, he was like preparing himself for it, but his leg mm. sort of shows exactly what was going on. But, yeah, it was um, like a duck swimming amazing. underwater, wasn't he? He had the Absolute legs going perfect. a million miles an hour and up top he was like stone. Yep, and that's why the, the cameraman got that really good mm. shot. Thank you, ABC Denver 7, for all those audio clips today. All right, let's recap on what happened. Watts received five life sentences without the possibility of parole for additional sentences for the other related charges. Watts spends 23 hours a day in his cell and will leave the final words to the judge. Deputies, I would respectfully ask that you take this defendant into custody and have him serve the rest of his life in the Department of Corrections. You know, it's funny, Amanda, you say the thing you will take is the whole. For me, yeah. it's the suffocation of his kids and uh, the fact that one of the children fought back. That's what I will take forever out of this case. Yeah, I mean, there is evil in this world and then there's evil in, in this world. It, it is a case that has absolutely taken me to places I didn't want to go and I just think mm. it's just heinous that we've we've had to cover things like this because they continue to happen. I think, you know, we're, we're grateful to uh, the CBI, you know, Agent Lee and Coda from the FBI and Nathan who lived next door and Nicole who who was Shannon's best friend. I think all of them are the reason that this was actually closed so quickly. But, um, you know, it just it just goes to show that, that they don't think about this part. They don't think about the consequences. And the fact that he was um, acting normal when everyone else turned up um, a, a few hours later just sort of proves the callousness and the coldness yeah. that he was actually feeling.
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? It's one that will sit with me forever, but I am glad that we've covered it. It's been a fascinating case, especially the fact we've been able to watch it from go to woe in a way we haven't been able to with many any other no. case that we've covered like this. Uh, thank you very much for bringing it to us. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we will be on an extended break for those listening through the free audio podcast. But those on Patreon and new screen, fear not, we will have the John Benet, Judge Rob series coming your way in the next week or so. Judge Rob will deliver his verdict on who really killed John Benet Ramsey, as presented by Amanda Howard. And to get access to that, just go to uscreen.io. That's mwm.uscreen.io. Forgot the most important part. And for Patreon access, go to patreon.com slash mwmconfessions. Don't forget, you need to be on the $10 tier plus for the audio feed, and anyone on the $25 plus tier will get access to the video feed. And of course, if you're on Uscreen, you'll get that video feed anyway. Uh, Amanda, that's going to be... Can I just butt in there? Yes. (laughs) Can I I just say that, guys, Judge Rob's outfit, it's worth the money just to see that. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) All right. Well, that's coming your way in the next week or so as Monsters Who Murder Serial Killer Confessions continues. But never fear, our next season is just around the corner for everyone else. All right. We'll see you next time right here. Thank you, Amanda. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.